I was looking at my date book for this afternoon. I was writing down some additions that I needed to make for things I hope to do and plan to do this week. And I got to looking at the week that uh, lies before me, and it depressed me. I may be honest with you. I really didn't look too forward to, to, to the week. It seems to be already overly crowded, and that is typical, I imagine, of your calendar, all of us. You know, it's hard for me to live uh, one day at a time. Oh, I know we need to make plans. We have to make plans. Look at this week and next week and next month and possibly next year. We can, we can imagine what it's going to be like and what a day might bring forth, but we don't really know what a day will bring forth. And um, if we try to anticipate... It can be very, very frustrating. It's difficult for me to live one day at a time. And to really believe that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus when I need them. I try to live whole years at a time. You ever do that? You ever engage in fantasy and daydreaming? Try to live whole years in a moment. And I have trouble, maybe you do, really trusting God with my tomorrows. We fret and we sometimes fuss sometimes complain, worry about a day that may, that may never arrive, either on our calendar, either in our experience or in our uh, feared anticipation. It may never come. And one reason I think we do this, uh, that we worry about the future, is because we see the moth of time and the rust of decay Destroying the present. Destroying the treasures that we have laid up for ourselves. And I find it difficult, maybe you find it difficult, to learn the lesson which is taught in the Bible and which is confirmed repeatedly in life. That if we do not use the moment that God gives us, if we do not use the leadership that God gives us, if we do not use the power that God gives us, if we do not use the immediate that God gives us, we lose it. We lose it. Let me read you from the 16th chapter of the book of Exodus beginning in the 14th verse, some words that I think have application to us. They were written a long time ago about people that lived a long time ago, but truth is timeless, and I think that what the Word of God says here 
has something to say to me here tonight in San Antonio. Exodus 16, 14th verse following. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Now these Israelites, they tried to do what maybe you and I tried to do. The Israelite that tried to gather more manna than he needed had molded manna in his house. And the principle has held true across the centuries, and it holds true tonight, that if you and I do not use what God has given us, we lose it. If we do not use what God has given us, we lose it. We have molded manna in our souls. We have an unattractive life. We have a decadent spirit. The man that does not use what God has given him loses it. Now this is true in all of life. This is true, uh, for example, quick example, right here in this building tonight. Suppose someone suddenly thought, well, now we've got enough light here in this room. We don't need any more power coming in here. We've got enough light to just hold on to what we have. And we put a foil over these stained glass windows and we put foil over these uh, uh, exits and these entrances and these windows 
and uh, let's just uh, bottle up this place. And then let's turn off the power. We don't need to spend that much money for light. We've got enough light in here. And we could save some money on our budget. And uh, we could then just hold on to the light that we have. Good idea. Everybody in favor of it, say aye. We pass it. We vote it. Foil over all the windows. Over all the doors. Over all the exits. We have plenty of light in here. Everybody can see. Let's hold on to this light. All right, up there in the control tower, throw the switch. And they throw the switch. And we have light for just a split second. An infinitesimal portion of a second. It's gone. dissipated it's disappeared because you see this is power this is not static it's active there's power pouring into this place there's life there's light coming into this place and if we don't properly use that which is coming as a continuous flow if we do not accept it moment by moment by moment as a trust as a gift as a blessing and we try to hoard it we try to hold on to it we try to contain it we lose it. It's gone. If you and I do not use the faculties that God has given us, the blessings that God has given us, the gifts that God has given us, we lose them. Maybe some of you read what I read not uh, too long ago about the seagulls down in St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine used to be the center of a great uh, shrimping industry, and the shrimp uh, moved south, I think, or at least they left the vicinity, the immediate vicinity and environs of St. Augustine. And these seagulls were used to getting their food without having to work for it. The shrimpers would come back in and they would discard that which they didn't use and the refuse, and here the seagulls could eat without having to work for it. Well, for some strange reason, the shrimp migrated. And the seagulls died on the beach by the thousands. They'd forgotten how to find shrimp. They had not used their God-given innate capacities and talents and gifts and, abil and abilities and because they had not used them, they lost them. Some of you who are musically talented or were musically talented and you haven't uh, played uh, the piano or the instrument now for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. you imagine what it'd sound like if you tried? I suppose I should confess something to you. I used to play the bassoon. That's right. I played the bassoon. The, the, it's called the comedian of the orchestra, is it not? Isn't that the clown of the orchestra? I was trying to be nice. <laughs> you, uh, I used to play the bassoon. When I went off to the Marine Corps and after graduating from high school, well, I sold my bassoon. 
And a number of years later, goodness, 15 years later, I was in Houston, Texas in a revival meeting at South Main Baptist Church. And uh, Thad Roberts' son, the minister of music at South Main Baptist Church, plays the bassoon. I said, I used to play the bassoon. He said, well, I'd love to hear you. So one night after the service, we were all waiting around the church. We were getting ready to go out to eat or something. He had his bassoon, and we went into Thad Roberts' office. And we put the bassoon together, and I tried to play it. And Thad Roberts is a very sensitive musician. And he had a complete emotional crack-up right there on the spot. I had not used the talent such as it was, the ability such as it was, minute as it might have been. I had not used the ability that I had, which was once mine. I'd lost it. I don't play the bassoon anymore. I know you're sorry about that. (laughs) And the world will certainly miss that gift. But the point is this, if you do not use... The abilities, the talents, the gifts, the opportunities that God gives you, you and I lose them. That's true of our physical body. Uh, you, take, uh, you take your arm and uh, tape it to your side and leave it there for a while. Doesn't have to be anything wrong with it to begin with. But just take that arm and just tape it to your side. Leave it there for a number of weeks, a number of months. Don't use it. Protect it. Shield it. After a number of weeks or a number of months, you take that tape off and try to use that arm. Can't do it. And you may have to go through a rather long and sometimes painful process of physical therapy to restore the use of that limb. It's there. It looks normal. It should function properly, but it won't because it has not been used. Do that with the muscles of your mind. Do that with the muscles of your soul. Do that with the muscles of faith. If we don't use what God has given us, if we do not exercise the gifts that God has placed in our hearts, in our minds, in our life, in our church, in our fellowship, if we do not use them for God's glory, we will lose them. There is a parable which illustrates this very, very Forcibly. The 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. I want to read this parable. I'm going to read from Philip's translation. The 14th through the 30th verses of the 25th chapter of Matthew. Listen to this. It is just like a man going abroad who called his household and his servants together before he went. And he handed his property over to them to manage. He gave one $5,000, another $2,000, and another $1,000, according to their respective abilities. Then he went away. The man who had received $5,000 went out at once, and by doing business with this sum, he made another $5,000. Similarly, the man with $2,000 made another $2,000. But 
the man who had received $1,000 went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Some years later, the master of these servants arrived and went into the accounts with them. The one who had had the $5,000 came in and brought him an additional $5,000 with the words, You gave me $5,000, sir. Look, I've increased it by another $5,000. Well done, said his master. You're a sound, reliable servant. You've been trustworthy over a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of much more. Come in and share your master's rejoicing. Then the servant who had received $2,000 came in and said, You gave me $2,000, sir. Look, here's $2,000 more that I've managed to make by it. Well done, said his master. You're a sound, reliable servant. You've been trustworthy over a few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come in and share your master's pleasure. Then, then the man who had received $1,000 came in and said, Sir, I always knew you were a hard man, reaping where you never sowed and collecting where you never laid out. So I was scared. I went off and hid your $1,000 in the ground. Here's your money intact. You're a wicked, lazy servant, his master told him. You say you knew that I reap where I never sowed and collect where I never laid out? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And when I came, I should at any rate have received what belongs to me with interest. Take his thousand dollars away from him and give it to the man who now has the ten thousand. For the man who has something will have more given to him and will have plenty. But as for the man who has nothing, even his nothing will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside where he can weep and wail over his stupidity. You know the Lord says a lot there, doesn't he? He says a lot. He tells us for one thing that he gives every man different gifts. We're not all alike. These men were not alike. He gave one man five and another two and another one. God does not give every man the same gift. We're not all alike. Every man does not gather the same amount of manna. We're different. God doesn't call us to this uniformity of approach. We're different people. We're individuals. We have different talents and different abilities and different backgrounds. We cannot be what we are not. And when we try, we are a, a farce and a sham and a hypocrite. Occasionally somebody asks me, I suppose this is rather regular 
experience for a preacher or a minister. Occasionally I'm asked about what I think about another preacher or this preacher or this church or this group. And you know I say this and I believe this. We're not all alike. There's some people that one man will reach that I never will reach. And there's some people that this fellow over here can reach for Christ and he can help and he can minister. But this man over here could never touch. That's fine. That's wonderful. That's the way God made it. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors for the ministry of the saints, to the saints. I'm not against anybody who's endeavoring to serve the Lord. I just don't have time. My life is too short. And my life is too full to spend it in the business of trying to hate everybody else that doesn't agree with me. I'm not in the business of hating. God didn't call me to do that, never told me to do that. Oh, contend for the faith. They say, oh, they're being contentious for the faith. They're not contending for it. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. And if God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, then it's not my business to be condemning the world and those for whom Christ died. I said to someone this morning, you know there are enough people in the city of San Antonio that need the Lord, that are lost, that, are, that need encouragement, that need help, that need the blessing and the ministry of a fellowship. There are more people in this city who don't go to anybody's church, who never darken the door of anybody's fellowship. There's enough here for everybody to do without us worrying over whether or not this man over here and I and this man over here and this man over here agree on the authorship of the book of Hebrews. God doesn't give us all the same gifts. He gives one man one gift and another another. And what we're called upon to do is not to try to emulate somebody else's gift or try to be something that we are not or to become somebody that we are not. We are to become what we are, refined and purified by the surgical power of Jesus Christ operating upon our souls. God doesn't demand from us abilities that we do not have. But I tell you what he does demand. He demands that we should use to the full, to the maximum, the abilities that we do possess for the glory of God. Jesus, there's some men over there on the other side of town who are preaching in your name and they're casting out demons in your name and they haven't been to our school. They don't look like us and they don't talk like us and they don't agree with us. Get rid of them. Jesus said, you leave them alone. You leave them alone. He that's not against me 
is with me. And I tell you, my friend, on that basis, I can, I can cooperate with anybody in the city of San Antonio or anywhere else, for that matter, in the entire world that claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We may not talk the same language. We may not agree on every jot and every tittle of scriptural interpretation. But we agree on Jesus. Not against him. And we're together. We're with him. God demands that we give our best. Not something we don't have, but our best of that which we do possess to him. The amount is not so important. The use of it is important. The number of talents, secondary. The employment of them, the utilization of them, the dedication of them, that's primary. I had this come home very poignantly to me a few years ago. Martha and I, in fact, Martha mentioned it. Uh, we're coming to church this evening. It didn't come up in connection with this sermon, just something that we were talking about, and she mentioned it. And I thought, you know, that's, uh, that, uh, that's relevant. That says something to me because it reminds me of the time that the Lord really hit me right between the eyes. We were in a revival meeting in a tabernacle in Bogalusa, Louisiana. Bogalusa's been in the news lately. I'm kind of glad to see him get a little news down there. They were, they were having, it was kind of a dull place, frankly. There wasn't much going on except they had a paper mill there. And boy, if the wind was, it was tough. People thought at times that I was overcome in the midst of my sermons with my emotion. Wasn't that, as all, that at all? I was just trying to contain myself. It was terrible, gasping for breath. Well, one Sunday night during this crusade, why we uh, uh, during training union they had a had a training union program, and a young man was to have a give a, sort of bring a devotion. And the, and the boy had only been a Christian a little while, and, and they'd ask him to do this, and he was very sincere, very dedicated, very willing. But he got up there to bring this devotional. And they, I suppose, had told him what to do, or what passage of Scripture to use, because it was rather difficult for a new Christian. But anyway, he had the passage of Scripture about uh, Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And the boy read the scripture, and he did that very well. I could tell he was scared nearly to death, but I can appreciate that. And I was sitting there empathizing, sympathizing, praying for him. And then he felt like he ought to make some comments on this passage of scripture, and so he started out to do it. Well, there were a lot of young people there and a lot of kids. This boy started speaking about Abraham and Isaac. Well, about a third of the way through the devotional, he got a little confused. I don't know whether somebody somehow diverted his attention or what it was, but nevertheless, uh, it, it, language slipped him for a few moments. And I suppose that happens to anybody who, who's ever done any public speaking at all. I forgot John 3.16 one time. It's the truth. I forgot. I started to quote it, and I went blank. And this boy, he was talking along there, and he forgot Isaac's name. And he called him Isaiah. 
Well, everybody kind of did what you did. Snickered a little bit, laughed. I did the same thing, you know, and kind of bowed my head and tried to think about terrible tragedies, you know, to keep from laughing or smiling at the wrong time. And so the boy went on, and he kept talking about Abraham and Isaiah. His son, Isaiah. At least a new biblical interpretation, to say the least. But uh, he went on talking about Abraham and Isaiah. And then after a few more moments, something else happened, and he, like I, with John 3.16, he went blank. And he could not think of Abraham's name. And I knew what he was trying to think of. I thought that I knew what he, And I was sitting way back there, halfway or more back in the congregation. The pastor was up on the platform with him, some of the training union director and some of the young people. And he became frantic. And he had forgotten Abraham's name. And he looked around at the pastor, whose, whose name incidentally was Brother Hare. And he looked like Yule Brenner. He just is about, about like this marble. He looked around at Brother Hare, and Brother Hare just got red all over. He, he didn't know what he, what he was thinking of. He was just kind of everybody wanting to help this boy and just kind of dumbfounded. And suddenly he turned back, the light had come, the flash of truth had gotten through, and he said, and finally then, coming down from the mountain with his son, Isaiah came Birmingham. <laughs> well, I thought again, tragedies, horrible things, you know. <laughs> Try to keep from laughing. And this boy, this young Christian, he knew that he had really goofed. And he stood there a moment and he said, I think, uh, one of the most impressive statements I've ever heard. He said, well, folks, I made a mistake. But I'm trying to give my best to the Lord. What about you? And he sat down. And I sat back there and thought, Buckner Fanning, you knew the difference between Abraham and Birmingham. And you know the difference between Isaac and Isaiah. But that boy preached to you tonight. Am I doing with what I know and with the gifts that God has given me my best? My best. What is required of a steward? That he be faithful. God gives men different gifts. And he tells us in this parable that the reward of work well done is more work to do. Did you notice that? These two servants weren't told to relax, sit down, to enjoy their rewards, to twiddle their thumbs, to discuss theology, to plan for heaven. They were given a new task, new work, new challenge, new responsibility. 
The reward of work well done and the economy of God is not rest, but a better job with the, more, with, with the greater blessings that have accrued and that have come, the greater spiritual interest that is mounted up in your heart, in your life. Reinvest it. That's what it amounts to. And the reward of a job well done for a church is not rest, not relaxation. All right, we have it now, beautiful sanctuary in a few months. We're going to have a lovely educational building. We're going to have more parking area. We're going to have all of these facilities. And the reward of a job well done is not rest, but people to fill these buildings, people to be ministered to in and through these buildings, people to be visited by those who worship here and gain spiritual strength and insight and power and encouragement here. The reward of a job well done is not relaxation, but more work. And there is a mystical joy that comes in the fulfilling of our task as faithful stewards. And finally, the man who is punished, according to this parable, is the man who will not try. Not the man who fails, but the man who will not try. This man didn't lose that money. He didn't have it stolen. He just simply did nothing with it. He buried it. And it is true. I believe that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Charlotte Bronte wrote, Better to try all things and find all empty than to try nothing and leave your life a blank. The Bible says, every man to his work. God has given you some talents, maybe just one, Maybe two, maybe five, maybe ten. I don't know that I know any ten talent folks. Most of the impressive things in the world are done by people who have one talent and use it for God and for good. I don't know how many talents or abilities you have. But I urge you, as I urge myself, and as I was so forcibly reminded in Bogalusa, Louisiana, to do my best to be faithful even unto death. And this faithfulness will be the basis of my reward in heaven. God will judge us eternally, ultimately, on the basis of our faithfulness to him here, day by day by day, talent by talent by talent. And may you and I this week invest ourselves for Christ. May we stand together with bowed heads. And our Father, we pray that thy spirit would confirm in our hearts the truth of thy word. 
And we pray, dear Lord, that if there be someone here tonight to whom thou art speaking in a manner that would dictate a public decision, someone to come into the life and fellowship of this church by identification with, association with, Trinity Baptist, by moving their membership, we pray that thou wouldst lead them to make that decision. Or some to come, Father, on a commitment of their faith initially unto Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. These are thy moments. May we give ourselves to thee and may each of us see ourselves as confronted by thee in this moment of invitation. And may we respond in a way that will be pleasing to thee. For we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, number 289. And as we do, I will stand here at the base of this aisle as we all sing and as we all pray and wait these few moments for you to come to make that decision that Christ would have you to make tonight, whatever it might be, to transfer your church membership, to come trusting the Lord as your Savior, to come on your profession of faith, whatever it is that God leads you to do in these moments, I urge you to do it.